Um, have you guys ever like felt like bummed out? <laughs> Any of you guys? No, no it, it was it. Is this just me? I mean, every, every song in 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 worship just like totally spoke to my heart. You know. Um, I was looking at the, the the first one that we sang. Sorry, Jim. I, I, I don't know which one it was. No, not Justify. Overcome. You know, that one right there. And then just the, this last one that we we just sang right now. And, um, you know, last night I... Or yesterday I was just kind of on a downer, you know. And I, I shouldn't be, and I know that. But I'm on a downer. And, you know, as I'm driving home, I'm thinking, I don't want to be on a downer as I walk into into the house, you know, I want to be up, and it just wasn't turning on that way real quick, and um, and we have um, the high school Bible study at my house on Wednesday nights, and I, you know, I didn't want to bring the kids down, it's like, woe is me, um, I didn't want to do that either, you know, but my heart was just to be there, you know, and just, anyway, I got blessed regardless, but this morning I got up early, and I, I'm praying, and, and, and the, the Lord just reminded me of a scripture that we'll be covering eventually in First Peter, um, chapter five, where it says, <clears throat> "Casting all your cares upon Him, for He cares for you." You know, and it's not like it's like things were going on like personally with me. It was just 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 people in in in, in my life, you know, that my my heart is breaking for, my heart goes out to, and it's just kind of hurting for them. And, and this morning as I'm praying, I'm going, Lord, I, I know I can't fix it all. I, guys, I, I, I want to fix every one of you guys. You know, you got a problem? I want to fix it. You know? And, and I know I can't. And, and I understand that. And I know God has placed me in a place to be an overseer. And even this morning as I was, um, as I was just praying for... For you guys, and I'm saying, Lord, I know that I need to cast all this upon you, but you've put me in a position where I'm an overseer to a lot of people. And, uh, Lord, when they hurt, I hurt. <clears throat> and he knows that. And he knows I'm a little baby when it comes to, like, just crying about everything, you know. And he knows those things. And <clears throat> and it was kind of cool because, you know, I was okay today. You know, I woke up, left left it at, at his feet, you know, and, and I was just telling uh, telling Jim earlier, you know, just kind of what I was going through and stuff, and he helped me just to see a different perspective of it all. And it's like, Lord, thank you for bringing people like that in my life, you know. I mean, every all you guys, but at that, at that particular time, Jim just knew exactly what to say. He had no clue what I was going through. He didn't know what I was going to throw at him as he... Walked into my office. What time? About five thirty, almost six o'clock, and and I was just like, Bleh, you know, to him. And he's going, man, Zeke, and and he t- t- just showed me how to look at it in a different perspective. And I should have known that, right? It's like I got it. Got this punk kid like J- Jim telling me what's up, you know? Because <laughs> he could be my son almost, you know, if I started like really early in life, but. Um, but anyways, I mean, I just so appreciate how God uses us to minister to one another, guys. You know, and that's what it's all about, you know, that, that when we're going through something, you know, the Lord just brings somebody in. And, and this last song that we were singing, 
um, where it says, uh, well, his love never fails. It's like, yeah, I know that. I know that. Um, he stays the same through the ages. Your love never f- changes. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. And when he was, when we were singing that, I'm going, doggone it, Lord, there you go again, man. There may be pain in the night, but there's joy in the morning, people. There really is. And so I'm excited. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like ready to slice my throat or anything. So <laughs> life is good. Life is good. I was just, my heart for you hurts at times, you know, and I just want to be there for you guys. And so um, let's just, uh, let's just quiet our hearts right now. And then we'll get into the word. Thank you, Lord, that you know us. You know everything about us, Lord. And you know the things that we go through. And I pray that even tonight, you would just help us to listen to your word and help me to share your word. And just use it for your glory, Lord. That's what I'm asking right now. I just want to be a vessel for you, a vessel of honor. And uh, so give me clarity, Lord, in my heart, in my mind, in my lips, um, to be able to share. And just open up the ears of those who are going to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> well, last, last week we got to... We got to the new good news of the case that Paul has been building in the book of Romans. So you can turn over to the book of Romans. Um, after making the case that all men are guilty, which was the bad news. I mean, you know, from from half of chapter one to most of chapter three, we 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 or Paul is establishing the fact that every person no matter who is guilty and you cannot stand in your own righteousness. And, and it was almost like, okay, there's the bad news, you know. But, but we, 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 we kind of started getting into the, the, the good news. But in essence, Paul had been saying, because all are guilty. And what he kind of, as he turned that corner, because all are guilty, then all have the opportunity to receive the remedy that God has provided that would declare a man not guilty. I think some, sometimes when people think, well, I'm not guilty, I'm not really all that bad. It's like, dude, you are not ready to, to stand before God if you think that you're going to stand and say, I'm really not that bad, God. <laughs> you know, it, it's like you're not ready to receive the remedy. It's like, dude, you are so sick right now. And here's the remedy and you're going, no, I'm not sick. I'm not really that sick, so I don't need the remedy. And yet Paul, he's been sharing with us, it's like, no, every one of us is sick. There's a terminal illness called sin, and we're all guilty of it. And God has provided the remedy. And when, when we receive that remedy, we are declared not guilty. Not guilty. Now, that opportunity to receive the remedy is apart from the law, as we saw last week. It's apart from any kind of works or any kind of commandments that you have to keep in order to be not guilty. No, the law told you you were guilty. 
The, the, the law could not offer a remedy. It just continually told you, you are a sick puppy. <laughs> you are sick. There's no remedy for you. As long as you, you look into the mirror of the law, it continues to tell you that you are sick. And so the remedy has to be a part. It has to be excluded and independent from the law. And if anybody says, well, I'm going to just try to be a good person and keep the Ten Commandments, it's like, dude, you've already failed. If, if you're able to talk about that, you've already failed. You've lived long enough to know about the law, then you've lived long enough to fail already. And so the law just, there was no remedy that it could offer. And last week we also got to see words like justified. Again, we just sang that song. Just as if I had never, ever sinned. The judge himself declaring those who have been justified not guilty. He's declared them not guilty. We saw words like grace, unmerited favor, something that you cannot ever, ever work for. Redemption, the buying uh, uh a price being paid as if for a slave, not just to, to buy for yourself, but to buy to set free. That's the word redemption. And then propitiation. And a lot, you know, it's like propitiation, you know. And, that, and that, 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 that word is almost like God was satisfied with the payment. God is satisfied with the payment and that payment is Jesus Christ. That's what propitiation is, that Jesus became our propitiation and God was satisfied because he wanted perfection to be like, only perfection could could redeem man again. And Jesus said, I will be the propitiation. And it's interesting because that word also carries the, the meaning of the mercy seat that went on top of the Ark of the Covenant because it was that portion that 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 kind of covered the the Ten Commandments that were inside the the Ark of the Covenant. It's like he covered that. It's like okay, I go to the mercy seat. I can't go to the to the law because the law brings about death and wrath. And so I go to the propitiation. I go to the mercy seat. And then we saw a word like faith. And man, we've covered faith, man, inside and out. Trusting and believing in adhering to a God who you cannot ever see or hear and yet you believe with all your heart. And so these were the, the, these kinds of words are so important for us as Christians to understand and to know because if we don't grab hold of those types of words then when Satan comes after us we have nothing to fight against them with, you know. Throw propitiation at Satan. He's probably go, whoa, whoa, I didn't even know you knew those words. It's like, ha Jesus is my propitiation, dude. You know, again, you need to know what, what justification means and what grace and what redemption and faith and all these kinds of words mean. You need to understand them. So you have something to stand on because those are all doctrines of the church. So now the case that Paul is making is that the righteousness of God is revealed apart from the law. And so now he's making the separation that, that again, you cannot be righteous if you're going to stand on the law. There's no way you can be righteous. And so he's making the case that it's apart from the law. 
And it could only be received through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. We can have the righteousness of God if you believe. If you have faith in Jesus Christ. And so now Romans chapter 4. He goes back in history to prove his point. That the righteousness of God has been revealed. Knowing, again, he's making this case, knowing as a good lawyer would, Paul would come up with a couple of questions and he's been asking questions along the way. And again, he's almost acting like a lawyer because he's making this case that everybody is guilty and he's made the case. Now he's going to make the case that, that the righteousness of God is apart from the law and it comes solely by faith. And he will continue to use the word justification. And he will introduce some words like imputation. And we'll cover that word a little bit. That it would be imputed unto you. Um, Things like that, that, that he is continuing to make the case. And so he asks some questions that that would come up almost like hypotheticals. Especially after he mentioned the law and the prophets last week. He kind of mentioned that the law, the law and the prophets prove that justification, the righteousness of God, is by pure faith alone, not by works, not by law, not by any of those things. And it's interesting because the law all, always required to prove your case, you have to have witnesses. And you have to have at least two witnesses. And so he brings the law and the prophets. And we're going to see tonight... That, that those, well, he introduces them and then we'll read it and then you'll catch on who they are. So, Romans chapter 4. Oh, I'm still in Peter, sorry. Romans chapter 4. We're going to do the whole chapter tonight. and um, But let's go to verse 12 really quick. What, what, then, uh, what then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if... Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not be, but not be before God. For what does the scriptures say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from the law. Blessed are those who whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was according, was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign 
of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also, and the father of circumcision to those who not only are the circumcision, but also but who also walk in the steps of the faith which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. You guys are going, I lost you like in the first question. <laughs> Try reading it out loud. You can get like a little, like, uh, did I say that already or didn't I say that? Okay, he keeps on repeating himself. And so you're going to hear a lot of repetition even tonight as I share. Why? Not because I like to repeat myself, although I do, um, but because Paul repeats himself a lot in this chapter. And so try to keep up. I'll try to make sense of it, and you try to keep up, okay? Uh, We'll go for it right here. (laughs) But even the first question, as I'm reading the first question in the first verse, I am like dumbfounded. I'm reading all these commentaries. I'm going, I'm still, I I still don't quite understand this question here. And so I I, I try to paraphrase it (laughs) because it says, what then shall we say that Abraham, our father has found according to the flesh? Paraphrase, see if I can do some justice. What did Abraham find out or discover about this matter of justification? (laughs) What did he find out about this? Tell me. You know, Paul is asking the question because the, the Jewish readers would be asking if he's already said, hey, justification is the only way to, to be in right standing with God. And so it's like, well, what did he find out about this? What, what, what was it? And so Abraham is the first witness that he calls to the stand, basically. But he's going to take the readers back into history to kind of tell them, hey, it was all mentioned in the old T, OT there, in the Old Testament, so let's go back and reread it, he says. Let's go back and see what it says, because it's been talking about this for centuries. And yet, the, the, the Jewish people still had this adherence to circumcision and this adherence to the law. Again, that was their, that's what they, they hung on to. And so, to the Jew, the only way that anyone can be justified was from the law. The bad thing is, about that, is that no one, not even one, can be justified by the law. No one could ever. But see, they still thought, well, we will try and continue to try to be justified. Because... There has to be something about this. How can I stand right before God if if the law keeps on telling me that I'm wrong? So they keep on trying to do good. The bad thing is that we've already learned not one is righteous. No, not one. So there's that dilemma. So anything outside the law had to be according to the flesh as far as they were concerned, the Jewish people. So what they didn't understand about justification was that it wasn't about the flesh. It was about faith. Faith was the only way that they could actually be in right standing with God. Now they believed. 
But they didn't have the belief that Abraham talks about here. They still continued to do works. So that's their dilemma. So in answering the hypothetical question that Paul thought that they would be asking, so what did he find out about this? Paul makes the point that if Abraham was justified by works in verse um, 2, if he was justified by works, then he would have something to boast about. He would, have, he would be able to boast how he earned justification if he worked for it. Because that's what they're asking, or, or after he's answering, if Abraham was justified by works, then he has something to boast about. Then he can tell anybody and everybody, this is what I've done to be justified, to be in right standing with God, to be in a place where he has declared me not guilty. He would have something to boast about. And quite honestly, I think the Jews would have been okay with Abraham boasting because to them, Abraham was a perfect man. He, he never failed. Although when you read his stories, it's like, come on, man. He, he messed up several times. But to them, it's like, no, he, he, has, he has stuff to boast about. Abraham was the man. And, and if anybody could boast, it would be Abraham. The, the, the rabbis actually believed that he had like this stored up righteousness that he could always fall back on because he was the father, Father Abraham. He, he was the father of, of faith. He was the father of everything for them. And so they really looked really highly on them. And they should because he was Abraham. He was the father of, of all these nations and stuff like that. But Paul, knowing that they would be thinking like this in, in essence, says he might get away with boasting to men or with men, but he would not be able to get away with it with God. If he had something to boast about, he would be able to boast among men. But there was no way that he could stand righteous, and Abraham knew that himself that he was no way going to be able to boast in front of God and say, look what I have done, God. You owe me. You owe me salvation. And I know that we can compare with one another about our own righteousness. We, I could say, man, I am way better than Scott here. I know Scott. <laughs> and so I, I, I'm not as bad as that man. See, I could boast in something like that. But then again, he could say, well, I know some things about you too, Zeke. And I'm better in this area. And so we could boast, and Abraham could boast. But neither one of us can stand before God, and, and he cannot stand up there and say, well, God, I know I'm, I wasn't perfect, but I was way better than Zeke. Even that, he, God would say, it's not good enough. Because you still fell short. You still fell short big time. And so there was no way that Abraham could boast. There was nothing in him to boast about. You see, Abraham knew that he was bankrupt when it came to righteousness. He was bankrupt. He was in the negative <laughs> in his own righteousness. There was no positive in him. And even though the rabbis might have taught that he was righteous, apart from the faith that even under the law, no, he is like really, really good. 
It didn't, it didn't matter what the rabbis taught. It didn't matter what people thought about him. He knew in himself that he was in the negative. And see, I hope that you and I don't believe our press releases when people are going, oh, you're so amazing. Oh, my goodness, man. You and Jesus are so tight. And it's like, don't believe them. You know that and I know that, that we shouldn't believe that we are that holy because we're not. We are all bankrupt in our own righteousness. We are in the negative, people. There is nothing that we could stand on. And Abraham knew that. He knew that he was bankrupt. And any righteousness that was accounted to him, he knew it wasn't his own doing. He knew that it was from God. And God was the one that accounted it to him for righteousness because he believed. And so Paul asked the question, of his own, you know, he asked the question, well, what does the scripture say? <laughs> it doesn't matter what the rabbis say. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. What does the scripture say? Because that is the final authority when we're talking about godly things, right? That, that is the final authority when we're talking about righteousness. Again, me and Scott can banter back and forth of who's more righteous. But if, if, if Scott finally said, hey, oh, okay, what does the scripture say about mine and your righteousness? It's like, oh, man, now you're not playing fair. Because both of us are going to end up guilty here. So when it comes to that kind of authority, going to the scriptures, it is the final say. And the scriptures tell us that we are bankrupt, that there is no righteousness in us at all. And so Paul takes his readers back. He takes them back in verse 3 to Genesis chapter 5. And he quotes just one verse, verse 6, or, or Genesis 15, verse 6. But, but if you read that whole story, and I, I, let's go to Genesis chapter 15. It says, uh, beginning in verse 1, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram, in, the vis- in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Then, but Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing that I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look, at, look towards the heavens and count the stars if you are able to, to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. All because he believed what God told him. See, all of a sudden, it, it almost seems like Abraham, Abraham, I'll call him Abraham, he, he was kind of concerned, there was a concern. He had just won a battle over five kings to go and rescue Lot, his, his nephew. And, he, and, and, and it's almost like he's concerned. And, 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 and that's why God said, hey, don't worry. I'm your, I'm your shield, man. 
I'm your exceedingly great glory. Don't, I, I am with you. And he says, well, how are you going to show me that you are with me, God? Knowing that, that I could have died and there's no descendants, that you promised me that there would be descendants. And God says, hey, man, I will make you the father. I mean, you look at all the stars, man. You, can't, you won't even be able to number them. And it's interesting because it almost sounds that, that again, even through all that, he reassured him. He said, I, I will be with you. Abraham believed that's all it took and it was accounted to him for righteousness. That's all he did. He took God at his word and he believed. And it's interesting because the Hebrew word that we looked at back there for believe is the word amen. Where we get our word amen. Which means so be it. So when he believed, he said, amen, Lord. I will trust you. That's all it took. Isn't that amazing? That's all it took for God to say, I will now put whatever is in my account into your account. Whatever was in your account is now on my account. So in essence, Abraham said, Amen, Lord. And that very moment, justification took place to him. He was justified. God looked at him as if he had never, ever sinned or doubted or anything just because he believed. And at that very moment, Abraham was in right standing with God. And you could say that maybe that day, Abraham was saved. Guys, that's what happens with me and you. The moment that you believe in God, when he says, hey, I want you to be my child, and you say, amen, okay. I believe that you are my Savior. Justification takes place at that very moment. Now to him who works, he says, then wages are counted not as grace, but as debt. If Abraham had worked for this justification, then God owed him something. He, God would owe him salvation if he worked hard enough to be good enough. And if it was possible, then God owed him. And guys, God will not be a debtor to anyone. He owes no one anything. What makes heaven heaven is that we get to go and worship and praise God forever there. That's what makes heaven heaven. If we worked our way to heaven, it wouldn't be heaven because it would be a, a boasting fest. All we'd be hearing is all the stories of how you made it. That wouldn't be heaven. That wouldn't be heaven for me. Unless I had the floor and I could talk forever. It's like, yeah, this is heaven. Everybody has to listen to my boasting. And you'd be going, this, is, this can't be heaven. This can't be heaven. Just listening to Zeke going on and on about all his good works. It wouldn't be heaven. God knew that no one would be able to work for salvation because all are under sin. We covered that, right? All fall short. I think we've covered that one too. And all are guilty. So because of that, justification is only for sinners, not for the righteous. God did not send His Son to make good people better. He couldn't. Because there was none good. No, not one, it says. 
Justification is only for sinners. But we've already learned that, that there is none righteous, no, not one. There's not good. There's not one good. There's not one that seeks after God. God does the whole thing. It's a one-sided deal here. The only requirement for justification is that ungodly people believe. That's the only justification. The, the only requirement is that you believe. And all that was, all that was on the sinner's account, try to follow me here, everything that is in the sinner's account, well, let's just use Greg here. Forget Scott now. He's too holy. No, I don't know. Everything that is in a sinner like Greg's account, everything that was there, which is sin, is now put into Jesus' account. And everything that was in Jesus' account was put into Greg's account. So whatever sin that this sinner had has now been taken out, and Jesus says, I'll take those, and I'll replace it with my righteousness. Man, what a deal. What a deal. If you're here and, and you're still a sinner in the sense that it's like, I know that I am not just before God. I, I know that I cannot stand right before God. He's giving you a deal here and saying, hey, whatever is in your account, all the sin, put it on me. I'll take it. And I'll give you every, all the righteousness that I am. I'll put it into your account. Man. What struck me yesterday as I'm looking at this, I don't know if that's why I got bummed out because I'm going, gosh almighty, I should have gotten happier. But be that as it may, whatever it was. But what struck me was that all my sin or all my sins were put into Jesus' account and all the righteousness of God was put into my account. All of it. All the righteousness of God was put into my account. And, and then I began to think, all your sins were put into Jesus' account. And all His righteousness was put into your account. And I thought, how is that possible? I have all the righteousness of God in my account. I have it all. But then again, you would say, no, I have it all. <laughs> All the righteousness of God, has, He has put that in your account. Everything that was in yours is gone. I, I was talking to my oldest daughter about this whole thing, and I'm just like... And she drew these three circles that at her church they had gone to, and this one circle had all the minuses, all kinds of minuses, and then the middle circle was clear, and then the other circle had all these plus, like way more than all the minuses. And it's not like... Our justification wipes the slate clean. It doesn't wipe the slate clean. No, His mercies are brand new every morning and they're clean. But this righteousness bit, we were in the negative. That's what all those minuses were. And God took that and put all His righteousness in that. And so now we have all the pluses in there. It's like, wow. Everything that God is, has, He has put into your account and my account. And there's enough to go around. All of it. And so again, guys, there is so much. And I don't think we're going to get done with this chapter. But man, I just looked at the clock. Because the next witness that he brings up in verse 6 is David. Abraham, he, he, he kind of 
was over the law because he was in the first five books there. And David, he, he would be representing the prophets. He says, just as David also described the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Paul, in a sense, again, calls this other witness to come to the stand. And David was justified or was rejoicing here over the justification that he had received after breaking three commandments. The breaking of those three commandments all all were like death. Death. Here David... He covets another man's wife and then he commits adultery with that wife and then he has the husband murdered of that wife. Every one of those should have brought death to him because the law required death. And here he is rejoicing when he says, just as David also described the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness. He puts into that account righteousness. David was in a really dark time in his life. And verses 7 and and 8 are are from Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2, that that David wrote. And he was so excited because God forgave him and he did nothing to deserve it. He should have died. He should have been stoned to death for the commandments that he had broken. David deserved it. Death should have been in his account. You understand? Death should have been in his account. And it was in that sense because he had broken these these things, these commandments. But instead, he had the righteousness of God put into his account instead. Even after these things. And he says, oh, blessedness. The blessedness of one who would receive these things. And he says, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. And that word blessed is, oh, how happy to be envied is the man whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. It's like, heck yeah. Dude, you're not dying for your sins right now because God has imputed into you righteousness. He has shown you mercy. You didn't even work for it. You see, there's something about David that God, when he... And he knew he had broken these things. And it took almost a year for him to totally repent. But when he repented, he was broken. And I know that others had died before him for for committing these kinds of crimes. But for some reason, God put the righteousness of God in him. Because when he was broken, he, he, he he was like contrite. There was nothing left in him. And because of this, God and and his repentance, he says, he is a man after my own heart. There was this brokenness that happened. And he believed 
that God forgave him. And there was no works involved. He simply believed and received it. And so here's the, another word that we need to understand. Impute or imputation. And that word impute means to attribute, ascribe, to assign. The righteousness of God was attributed, ascribed, assigned into his account. Guys, I know that we could walk around in guilt because of what we do, our sin. But understand this, if you are justified, if you have been born again in that sense, then he has taken what was in your account and says, here, put it on my back. And he died on the cross for that. He took what you had in your account and he placed it on his back and he hung on the cross to pay for your sin. And he says, now I will give you the righteousness of God says, he who knew no sin became sin so that we might have the righteousness of God. That's what you have in your life. And guys, if you can comprehend this in a way that whenever you get to a point in your life where you're doubting, go, go, go to these kinds of chapters here where it talks about justification, where it talks about redemption, about propitiation, about faith, about imputation. These are all doctrines that we should be having embedded in our hearts so that we're not wishy-washy. It's like, okay, we sinned, but man, I am justified. It doesn't give us the right to continue to sin. As a matter of fact, we should be wanting to do even more for Him because He's done all those things. But every time we mess up, and again, we go to First John chapter, well, let's... First John chapter 1. Since I'm not going to finish the chapter anyways. Dang, I, had so, I had high hopes. Didn't even get to a quarter of what I wanted. Or half. But this is what First John chapter 1, beginning, let's just start in verse 3. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may... Uh, have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son jesus christ and these things we write that you may that your joy may be full this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that god is light and in him is no darkness if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness we lie and do not practice the truth But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses, uh, uh, his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we declare, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, or all, yeah, all unrighteousness. You see, when we sin, we run right back to Him, and we ask for forgiveness. And, and see, He forgives us time and time again. And I think this is where we get tired. It's like, Lord, how many times do I have to do this? Every moment of the day, people. <laughs> Every moment of the day, come to Him. 
And then you remember the justification. You remember that whenever you sin, he takes that and puts that back in his account and then he gives you even more righteousness in your life. For that, we should fall down and worship him. For that, we should be on our knees day in and day out thanking him because he loves us that much, guys. You know, a beautiful picture of imputation is when Paul was with Philemon, or as he wrote to Philemon. And Philemon had a servant who had ripped him off. He had jacked him and left. And lo and behold, he runs into Paul up in Rome. And as he's writing back to Philemon, handing him Onesimus the letter, he says this to him, If Onesimus has wronged you, put that on my account. I will repay. He tells Philemon. That's a beautiful picture of imputation. You know, if, 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 if let's just say Greg, I'm sorry for keep on using you, Greg, but let's just say Greg just totally hurt Scott over here. And Scott was so steamed at him. And I wanted to be that, I, I wanted to go that, that be that go-between. I would say, I, I know you want to kill him. I know you hate him right now. All those things that you feel towards him, put that on my account. Treat me the way you would treat him. I want to pay for that. I want to pay the price that he owes. That's imputation, guys. And so when, when God has given us his righteousness, he has imputed on us his righteousness. Because Jesus said, hey, Father, whatever they owe for their sin, I will pay. I will suffer the consequences. And it's not like the father says, oh, okay, since you're my son, you don't have to really pay for the consequences. Guess what? He sent his son to pay for the consequences. He just didn't like, oh, geez, Jesus, why would you have to offer it like that? No, God still needed somebody to pay the price. He still needed a propitiation. And Jesus says, I will be that. What a beautiful picture. Of, of where you and I stand. Guys, you can stand perfect before God. Not because of your own righteousness, because of the perfect one who died so that you can have this righteousness. Isn't that amazing? Man, oh man. God does not keep records of our, or God keeps record of our works so that he might reward us on that judgment day of Christ when we come and receive our, our, our rewards. But he does not keep record of our sins in that sense. Those records are kept in Jesus' account. So when he looks into your account, you know what he sees? The righteousness of God. Every time he pulls up your records, the righteousness of God. <laughs> so next time you're feeling like, I just feel like such a scumbag. I have totally blown it, Lord. Lord, I'm so sorry. It's like, well, I just looked at your records and there's righteousness there. I know, but God, no, really, it's like pure righteousness because that's the way I look at you, guys. It should, it should humble us day in and day out. That should drive us to repentance day in and day out. It should not say, oh, sweet, let me go sin some more. It's like, well, you know that in, 
in the end, all that will go into Jesus' account again. It's like, oh, geez, I don't want to do that either. <laughs> so you, you have been justified, just as if you have never sinned. It's been imputed into you, into your account, the righteousness of God. Walk in it. Walk in it, guys. Um, I guess next week we'll do the rest of the chapter, if we can. So let's stand as we close in prayer. <laughs> Jesus, we do want to thank you and praise you, Lord, once again, for just teaching us what it means, Lord God, to be justified, to have the righteousness of God put into our account, Lord. I, I, I do pray for my brothers and sisters right now, Lord. Those who may still feel guilty right now, Lord God, for what they've done. Lord, I pray that they would take this study to heart, Lord God. That they would realize, Lord God, that every time, because they are saved, every time you look into their account, Lord, all you see is what Jesus put in there. And Lord, Jesus took it all on our behalf. Lord, I pray that, Lord, it would drive us to repent constantly because of that. Lord, I do pray that if there's anyone in here tonight, Lord, they know that they're not saved. They know that they're not cleansed, Lord. They know that if you looked into their account, you would see all their sins. And maybe because they've tried to do it on their own, Lord. And you will hold them accountable for that. And so, Lord, I pray that even tonight, Lord, you would capture their heart. And they would repent, Lord. And they, they would believe, just like Abraham, just like David. They would just believe that you've already cleansed them they would believe that Jesus came and died on the cross for them to cleanse them from their sin and that he hung on the cross to deliver them from sin so Lord please do that work in people's hearts and lives right now we ask we bless you and thank you Lord in Jesus name Amen God bless you guys if you